What's up, friends? This is episode 19. It is Thursday. I'm Claudia Villafato. He's Joe Fan. And Joe, it is Veterans Day. So happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all those who have served and those who still serve. Absolutely. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great. Good. There's a lot to discuss. There is. We're going to hold L's, take victory laps. We've got a great guest today. Huge slate in week 10 coming up this weekend. Yes. I'm excited about it. I'm excited I'm, for where the show's going to go. I'm excited about it, too, and our interview um, was awesome. I, I feel like our, our friend Brad really brought us the energy, so excited to show you guys that. But before we get to that, like you said, we got to talk about our L's, talk about our victories, which I didn't really have many of. I don't know about you, but I'm going to say I said the Bears-Steelers matchup on Monday wasn't going to be the most exciting. And, and I mean, it was towards the end, but that's just because of drama and things that I didn't agree with. But the Bears were outmatched for the majority of the game, and they still almost won, so that just goes to show you kind of how we expected the game to go. It went that way. But my L for this was my prop with Deontay Johnson over 73 and a half yards. Lost. He led the team um, in receiving yards and tied for the most receptions, but did not hit the over. They spread out the ball well, which I wasn't expecting them to do as much. And, yeah, so that's my L. It's pretty insane. If you would have told me that your prop wouldn't hit, as good as I felt about my prop, which was Najee Harris over 79 and a half rushing yards, I would have been absolutely certain that mine, right. oh, Deontay Johnson had a big game? Yeah. Najee Harris must have dominated. And he didn't, despite the Bears having one of the worst rushing defenses in football. He only had 62 rushing yards, didn't even get close to the number. But I can't even, you're like, how are you doing, Joe? It's like I've had this <laughs> weighing on my mind. I can't let it go any longer. I know it was on Monday, but I've got to get on a soapbox real quick and talk about this garbage taunting point of emphasis this league has initiated and we've seen on a week-to-week basis ruin games. Yeah. None more so. This is the pinnacle on Monday night in a game in which there were a number of horrific calls, all of which going against the Chicago Bears. They got jobbed consistently. I never want to be the guy to blame the refs, but the Bears got screwed royally over and over again. Let's set the stage. Third down late in the game, Monday night football. Cassius Marsh just called up from the practice squad. uh, Journeyman defensive lineman was on the Steelers last year. Gets a big sack on primetime against Ben Roethlisberger. Does his patented spinning kick, which is insanely athletic, by the way, and I wish I could do that. Yeah. Then takes a couple of steps towards the Steelers' sideline, mean mugs him a bit, doesn't say anything, but, and gets flagged for taunting. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. We know there's a line that exists, right? You can't slash your throat. Standing over a guy and flexing when he's on the ground, too far. But consistently, every single week, we are seeing examples of officials arbitrarily determining malicious intent to what the rest of us just view as a benign celebration. And then to make matters worse, you have Mike Tomlin, whose team was just gifted a win, come out and say after the game, I stand by the taunting rule and the point of emphasis. We've got to clean up our game, which gets us to one of the biggest reasons why people defend this taunting rule. What about the children? My goodness. Spare me the worry about the children. This is either a cop-out for fragile egos or a gross underestimation of parents in this country. 
So I, we, I haven't even heard the children thing. I, I didn't even realize that was. Because they've got to be role models. Oh, please. We yeah, have got to, as a society, we have got to be able to delineate between professional sports and youth sports. I'm not a father. I don't want to underestimate what it, it means to do that job. I know it's a difficult job, but we have got, I can't imagine talking to your son or daughter and they say, hey, pops, I want to flex on them like they do in the pros. It's like, well, you make the pros, you can flex on them. Hell, we already tell college kids, the one level under professionals, that they can't celebrate like pros. So we can't have that conversation with our child. I understand wanting athletes to be role models, but look at what these guys do in the community. Look at how they treat their teammates. We can't just solely judge them whether they're having fun and celebrating as a determining factor of whether or not they deserve the moniker of being a role model. And so to, to finish out this soapbox, I just it's obvious that the NFL officials have so much they've got to figure out in terms of officiating the rest of the rule book, like the low block that wasn't low block that also screwed the Bears. Mm -hmm. we, let's get there first before worrying about policing emotion and passion out of, out of an emotional and passionate game. Emotional and passionate game, period. Yeah. End of story. I don't get it. I'm not sure I'll ever get it. I think it's insanity. Adam Thielen's coming out saying it's taking the fun out of the game. Well, I need to get that off is, my chest. It's ridiculous. And briefly, I think you make all good points there. I think it comes down to the simplicity that the NFL is entertainment, right? The reason it's on TV is because it's entertainment. And also, if you're going to call something one game and then not call it the next, like at least be consistent with it, but you're not. So what, are you going to judge it based off of how many seconds longer he stares at the other bench or how many seconds longer he stares at the guy he just sacked? It's like... It's BS to me, and I'm sure if you went around, like, why not just take a vote? Ask every player and every coach in the NFL, do you want to get rid of this? I guarantee you the majority are going to say to get rid of it. It's ruining the game. How the competition committee landed on this as something that needed to be fixed. They wanted to just spice things up. I, I honestly outrageous. think that's what, that's what it was. They wanted to spice things up, and everyone hates it, so they should get rid of it. And maybe they will. You know, after after that, and if one more, two more circumstances come up, I'm sure there'll be some. I don't think they will because Mike Tomlin's one of the most respected head coaches in the game, and he comes out after the game and saying, "I stand by. I think it's good. We need to clean up the game." I feel like that's more him just trying to look good. Clean up the game. The whole, the whole, Get out all of, of the dramatics of it is just BS to me. Well, Joe, from one man who loves to rant to another that I have heard many rants from, he's the best. If you don't follow him already on Twitter at Noisy Huevos. Brad Evans, EP of gaming content at Bally Sports, 10-time award-winning writer, Sirius XM host, host of the Fade the Noise podcast. You do it all, Brad. How you doing? Yes, uh, I do. I'm an exceptional cook of chicken nuggets oh. on the home front, uh, and I love a top-shelf tequila. So I'm a man of many talents, Claudia. Dino nuggets and a good tequila yep. is really, you can't. It doesn't get better than heaven. that? Yeah. <laughs> Brad, you've been doing this for years. We were talking about it earlier. You started when your grandfather was doing football pools. Everyone yeah. now, it seems like, in the world is trying to get into betting. We're really just scratching the surface, but you watch SportsCenter, you watch ESPN. Everyone's talking lines, talking totals. Tell me, when you're looking at Twitter, when you're watching these shows, what irks you the most? Whether it's advice people are giving out that you're like, eh, or whether it's phrases people are overusing or just things that people are getting completely wrong when it comes to betting because you've been in it so long. What are some of those things that are irking you right now? 
Uh, how long do you have, Claudia? Because uh, <laughs> uh, I've got grievances and a limited poll that I need to air uh, to the masses <laughs> right now. Well, the, the two things that particularly stand out to me more than anything else. Uh, one, just weird, wacky, massive bets uh, that people place on futures tickets. Like, uh, I don't care, you know, if you put $1,000 on a team that was 200 to 1. Uh, why does that deserve any kind of recognition or publication anywhere? Uh, that's one thing that gets under my skin. Uh, and the second thing that gets under my skin is a lack of accountability. Uh, you know, throughout the industry, not everybody, obviously. There are a lot of uh, people that show their work, uh, the wins, the losses, all that jazz. And I'm trying to change the mindset uh, because I think there are too many people that just celebrate wins uh, without actually revealing how much they've uh, really lost. Uh, so I've created a spreadsheet as a result. I track everything, the good, the bad, the ugly uh, in real time. Uh, you can see what I lock in a bet at, what the juice is that I wagered on, what book I got it from, uh, the win, the loss, you know, where the outcome is. And I track it all in units. So it's really simple to understand, easy to follow, fade or follow, as I always say, that is up to you. So we definitely need more transparency in the industry with a lot of new people coming in uh, to the biz and not really showing their work. Transparency is key. Absolutely. And you did send us that sheet. So I'm looking at them now. There's a lot of props on here. I'm sure it takes you a while. <laughs> take us through your handicapping process because it is different for everyone. So yeah. just take us through your handicapping process and why no sides? You say you don't love sides. You don't love total. So take us through that as well. Yeah, I mean, look, the sides and totals are often very well priced. Um, you know, these are bets that have been around for you know ages, and as a result, uh, you know, what goes into the sauce uh, is easily calculable by the algorithms, and they you know pump it out, and those lines are generally spot on. Uh, and I just don't get any pleasure out of betting sides and totals unless it's college basketball. Uh, for some reason, I'm a masochist when it comes to that sport. So you know, I like to twist the butter knife very slowly over multiple months and drain my bankroll in the process because I love the sport. I covered it as a bracketologist uh, for Bally Sports. I really love the futures markets uh, and that particular sport, uh, especially, you know, when they have over-under seed lines on some of the props that are offered uh, creatively by some of the books here in recent seasons. But generally speaking, I stick to the player props, uh, whether it's in the NFL, the NBA, uh, MLB, because there are more offerings and there are softer lines in general. So, you know, my process and research is similar to how I research anything for a fantasy article. Um, you know, I'm looking at trends. I'm looking at, you know, what a team is allowed at a particular position. I'm looking at snap share and playing time, target share. I'm looking at one-on-one -on -one matchups between corners and wide receivers and how exploitable or not exploitable that matchup could be. So it's a process that I've used, you know, for the better part of two decades that I've been in the fantasy sports industry and I'm just applying it to betting and it works. Uh, and plus look, player pops are just more fun because we're a celebrity based culture mm -hmm. and we like to follow our dudes, our guys. And because of that, I think it just adds a little bit more excitement, more flair compared to the team narrative that is tied to traditional totals and traditional sides. Brad, let's dive into college basketball a bit. It just started and it, it should be another great season. Uh -oh. My Zags ranked number one. Chet Holmgren going to be the first overall pick next year. Uh, I'm curious. Let's start with the good teams, the elite. Which of those teams that are ranked highly in the preseason favorites do you think are as legit as they're billed to be right now preseason? Well, I think Kansas uh, really impressed me uh, on opening night against uh, the Sparty Party. Uh, and it was a keg of water, not a keg of beer uh, for Tom Izzo and company in that one. But you know, once they get Jalen Wilson back off of suspension, you know, that team is loaded. They got a lot of experience. Uh, now, Remy Martin is going to be Jekyll and Hyde all season. That's what he's been his entire college career. Uh, you know, during his days at Arizona State, a guy that 
uh, doesn't pass up on any shot. Uh, so at times he's going to frustrate Jayhawks nation, but at times uh, they're going to feel elated with some of the ridiculous shots that he's going to hit in game, but they've got experience. You got McCormack back. You got uh, Brown back, uh, uh, Ochai back as well. And, you know, once they congeal uh, with Wilson on the floor, I think Kansas, and right now you can get them anywhere between 14 to 16 to one uh, to win the national title. I think they're very much going to be in that conversation. I think the Zags are for real. Um, you know, we'll see we how they perform we this weekend. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, to get Texas, uh, and, you know, truth be told, I'm probably going to take the Longhorns. The line comes out at like Texas plus 10. Uh, right now, Kim Pom's got it as a 10 point victory for the Bulldogs. But yeah, I mean, Holmgren is a freak. We know that. He's like Sean Bradley with handles. Uh, you know, he's a stick figure, but a guy that can just make any shot on the floor and, and beat the opponent off the bounce. Um, you know, they're an outstanding team. Uh, maybe Mark Few is finally going to get his national title. They're going to be right there in the bitter end. Uh, but, you know, so far, it's early in the season. Uh, we'll learn more as things transpire, obviously. Uh, and the Big Ten is going to be an absolute rock'em, sock'em, robot slog of a conference, and those teams are going to beat each other up. I like Michigan. Of course, I like Illinois. I want to get all their key components back as objectively as I can speak on the Illini. Uh, but right now, I think the two teams that I think uh, are the tops early on are Gonzaga and Kansas. Okay. What about a, a sexy dark horse? Everyone loves a dark horse in college basketball. Who's going to be this year's Cinderella that makes the Final Four? Well, I mean, look, draw is everything, right? And I, I, I like uh, not to throw out any wild Final Four prognostications until I actually see the field. Uh, because, you know, you got to see what your path is uh, to sure. get to the Mecca of college basketball and the Final Four. Uh, some teams that I think are interesting, San Francisco, the Dons out west and the WCC. You know, obviously that conference, I think, is on the up and up right now uh, with the Zags, with BYU, with St. Mary's, who I think is going to get back to what we've seen previously under under Randy Bennett. Uh, but the San Francisco team's, uh, you know, got a bunch of upperclassmen. Uh, they're a picture of efficiency. They have depth. They could shoot uh, the rock from outside. They have a strong inside presence. I love Khalil Shabazz's game. Um, so that's a team that, you know, again, if they can make the dance, get the appropriate draw, maybe they could be a second weekend team. And if, you know, the dominoes fall right, uh, you know, maybe they can, you know, march all the way to the final four. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we got a lot of basketball ahead of us, and I don't want to, you know, rubber stamp anything. I love this early it. Put in the some season. respect on the WCC. <laughs> Brad, so basketball is just starting for college, but football, we've been underway for a few weeks now, and we know one of the best teams right now is Georgia. I still can't get over. I'm still not used to seeing them lay these massive spreads and then somehow still covering the majority of the time. That's um, crazy. It is. It is crazy. And you talk about why you don't touch sides for NFL. What's the difference when it comes to college football? Do you, do you lean one way or the other when it comes to sides? And who's taking down Georgia? I don't think anybody's taking down Georgia. Uh, pound for pound, best team in the country. I mean, that defense just swallows dudes whole. I mean, that's just the bottom <laughs> line. Uh, they're going to be nearly impossible to knock off. What I am uh, you know, glad to see is we may actually have some fresh blood potentially uh, in the college football playoff. I'm tired of Alabama. I want them to go away. I, I want them to lose again and not be in the college football playoff. You know, we got to get some of these other teams in there. Now Ohio State's inside the top four. I mean, it's just a snore fest for me. Michigan State shot themselves in the foot uh, after the elation of, you know, knocking off Michigan. Um, you know, I, I just, when it comes to college, and I'll be truthful, it has kicked my butt this year uh, across the board on the sides and the totals. Uh, I've done a lot of teasers in that sport. I uh, try to, you know, pad uh, the bottom line a little bit better with, uh, you know, some of the sways and, 
and line movement, um, you know, and, and, and then parlay them together and legs at two all the way up to maybe four or five. That's about it right now. Uh, now, when the college bowl season comes around and I'm, you know, bored out of my gourd and I'm sitting there hanging out with the relatives and got a tequila at hand, I'm like, well, the Hawaii Bowl's on. Who's playing? I don't care. I'll fire <laughs> off a ticket on that. Uh, but when it comes to college football handicapping in general this season, it's been a bloodbath for yours truly. So I have pivoted to other markets and I am cautiously optimistic, guys. Uh, the college basketball won't do me dirty either. I love that we talk about getting fresh blood in the college football playoff or even expanding the college football playoff. And it ultimately ends up being like, congrats, you got the four seed and now you can go get smoked mm. by Georgia. And so well done. It's good, to <laughs> see, it's good to see you here. It's like we see that with Notre Dame anytime they make it. It's like, yes, the Fighting Irish made it. What a feel-good story. Maybe they have a chance and they don't ever. I'm a Washington fan. And when they made it, several years ago and they, they it's a huge deal to make college football playoff mm. then you draw alabama and you're like well, this is going to be a bloodbath and it was uh let's talk nfl before we let you go brad um week 10 this weekend i we know you're a prop guy thursday night dolphins ravens looking ahead to the weekend we know you like props over sides and totals is there anything you've got your eye on or i should say what are the things you've got your eye on because the spreadsheet indicates that there are a number of, of options here yeah i was gonna say <laughs> this is light for me this is very live for me because it's been a slow drip uh, for the sports books getting some of the lines out due to all the question marks that are out there right now uh, in the NFL universe. But, uh, you know, Thursday night football, I love everything really tied to Lamar Jackson. I got the over on rush yards uh, in that game, uh, over on rush attempts at nine and a half. The rush yards line I got at 62 and a half. I think he's going to be north of 70 in this contest against Miami. Uh, one of my favorite bets on the board uh, for the Thursday night game is the under on Jalen Waddle, 21 and a half yards for a longest catch. He's done this one time this season, guys. That was way back in week one against the Buffalo Bills. So a lot of nickel and diming, especially with the alligator-armed Jacoby Brissett at the controls. And then looking ahead to the weekend, um, you know, I got some of the early lines on Minnesota before they were yanked. They're starting to repopulate now. Uh, it sounds like Dalvin Cook's going to play. I like the over on his rush yards at 85 and a half as the LA Chargers have given up right around five yards per carry to the running back position this season. Uh, Tyler Conklin over 35 and a half receiving yards. He's done this in back-to-back. One of the areas of vulnerability for LA is defending the middle of the field, two plus size targets. They're giving up over 70 yards per game to the tight end position alone. Cordero Patterson, the show Otani of fantasy football, the ultimate hybrid uh, I'm going to lean more, not on the rush side, but on the receiving side of things for him against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, took the over on four and a half receptions. The boys are giving up six receptions per game to the running back uh, position. And, of course, he's got running back slash wide receiver, so you utilize him in full capacity, especially with Calvin Ridley still out uh, dealing with his mental uh, health right now. So, uh, so far, that's all I got. But I got another 40 that's tickets all? that I'm going to lock and load at some really? point. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, just just an just a standing <laughs> ovation from us here at the win. Brad, Brad, thank you so much. Everyone, make sure you go follow Brad on Twitter at Noisy Huevos. I just have to ask before you go, is that like noisy eggs? Like, doesn't Huevos uh, It is, and okay. Huevos has another connotation uh, south Huevos. of the border. So, yeah, look, I took four years of Spanish. All I remember are the naughty words and donde esta el baño, which is important when you're in Mexico. All right. We'll take it. Brad, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Muchas gracias, amigos. Thank you to Brad for bringing in that energy and also He's all awesome. of those wonderful props. And I agree with him. I don't really love taking sides, and I'll tell, I tell you that often. But for our tail or bail segment, I did take two sides. 
You took two sides, and we're going to see if we agree or disagree. And we're going to go with you first, Joe, because you are fading my team, a game I'm staying away from. I will tell you which way I lean, but you're taking the Browns with two points at New England Sunday early game. The total set at 45. Browns money line plus 105. Patriots money line minus 125. Browns crushed the Bengals 41-16 as two-and-a-half-point dogs last week. They're now getting the points, and you like them here in this spot. Yeah, I do. I feel like I've been doing nothing, going nothing but favorites lately, and I need to flip the script. There are a number of underdogs, and both of my picks in this Taylor Bale segment are underdogs. I love the Browns getting points. The Patriots, it's not a disrespect to them. I was a naysayer for a while. I'm on board now. They are a much more competitive and complete team than I anticipated them to be. But I do think they are a much higher floor team, but they don't have the ceiling the Browns do. I don't think they're a team that has a ceiling of, of making you know, a run in the postseason where I do think you look at what the Browns accomplished last week, smoking, dismantling the Bengals on the road. That's what this Browns team can be. A dominant rushing attack, a very balanced passing attack with a quarterback capable of distributing the ball on time in rhythm with the ability to also throw it downfield. We've seen Donovan Peoples-Jones be that deep threat they need in this offense. But you look at the defense, that was as complete a defensive performance as you've seen this season against a really good offense. The defensive line, obviously, with Miles Garrett, 12 sacks leading the NFL. He is the defensive player of the year at this point and will probably go on to win the award, barring an injury. But the secondary came together. The safeties, John Johnson, Troy Hill had two sacks. Uh, you look at the corners, a pair of first-rounders. Denzel Ward continues to be a star. He had the long pick six. Greg Newsom, the Northwestern rookie, he was tremendous as well. So you look at every level of this defense and say there are legit stars there. And so this game will be close. I'm sure I'll be sweating throughout because the Patriots are too good to get blown out. They run the ball too well. They're, they're again, too complete. But I think they're limited enough on offense. Nothing I've seen from Mac Jones makes me feel like they're going to be the explosives there or can necessarily keep up if it were to get to a shootout. Um, and I just prefer the star power on the Browns. So for me, for my money, um, I've always been on the Browns. I told you they were kind of a sneaky Super Bowl pick that I liked preseason. We made those picks. I haven't wavered. They've lost a couple of games they should have won, notably the Chargers game and the Steelers game. Um, but I still think they have a great shot not only to win this game outright on the money line, um, but also to win the NFC North, or AFC North, pardon me. PC Joe, <clears throat> when I saw this game on the slate, I literally said to myself, it's almost like I ran away from my phone. I was like, oh, shit, I think I like the Browns here. But I don't want to say it because the Patriots are finally getting the respect that they deserve. But, yes, the Browns' defense scares me. Miles Garrett scares me. Hoping Nick Chubb, I hope he's okay, but hopefully he doesn't play because that will give the Patriots a little bit of an edge. Um, I know he was on the COVID list, so hopefully he's okay, but not having him on yeah. the field. That is worth noting. Benefit. I forgot to mention that. But even, you know, the Ernest Johnson, 22 for a buck 46 and a touchdown on primetime against Denver. Oh, yeah. Without Baker Mayfield in the lineup, when Denver is going into that game saying, we've got to stop the run and make Case right. Keenan beat us, they couldn't stop Dearness Johnson. To tick down, missing Nick Chubb, you missed that, but I think Johnson's capable enough, and I still like the Browns regardless. So, yeah, I appreciate I, I missed saying that, but um, regardless of Nick Chubb being there or not, I like Cleveland. Yeah. No, I agree, and and that's why I have been leaving, uh, leaning the Browns kind of throughout the season is just based off of their defense. The Patriots secondary is coming off of two strong efforts against the Chargers and Panthers. 
just not as much, <laughs> not as well as the Browns have done. So I do think it's going to be a close game, which is why I'm staying away. Um, if you can tease this and get the Browns with even more points, I think that's a good spot as well. But I'm not going to say I'm fading my team. So we're going to move on, and we're going to go to my former quarterback, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, laying 10 at Washington. Another early Sunday game, total set at 51 and a half. Bucks money line minus 440, plus 350 for Washington. A rematch of last year's wild card game where Tampa won 31-23. Both teams coming off a bye this time around. Bucks need a bounce back after a lot after uh, a loss to the Saints. For what it's worth, Brady's 15 and four in his career off of a bye, which I, I don't really take that much consideration into, just because it's a trend. Trends aren't predictive, but it's something to note. What is predictive is that he's throwing more touchdowns right now in his 40s than he was in his 20s. His stats are off the record. They have the highest pass rate in the league now facing a defense who gives up the most passing yards a game. Tampa's putting up the most points per game. Washington is allowing the fourth most. The Bucks' defense was a little bit of a concern earlier in the season, and we talked about that with their secondary. Right now, the Bucks' defense is giving up the seventh least pass yards a game. They're number two in rush defense. The only thing I am worried about here is the injuries because A.B. Gronk and Chris Godwin are all questionable. Likely that Godwin and Gronk will not play. And Washington is supposed to get back, um, I think, like four of their five, a, a good amount of guys on their O-line that have been on IR. So that does worry me a little bit, but this Washington team is just not good enough. I don't think even with those additions, they've lost four in a row. Their only wins against the Giants and Falcons. They're one and seven against the spread this season. They haven't broken 13 points in the last three games. I just think the Bucs are a better team on both sides of the ball. Um, just to lay a little over a touchdown here. I'm feeling pretty good. And it comes down to it's Tom Brady and Taylor Heineke, right? Taylor Heineke is in line right now with the fifth most interceptions behind Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. And I just mentioned Tom Brady's looking, you know, at least have one of the best seasons he's had in his career. So. I'm going to go with the Bucks here. Yeah, I'll tell you, Washington just can't get out of its own way. You mentioned they're 1-7 against the spread. The last two games they've played before their bye, they should have covered and should have covered comfortably, if not one outright. They're one of six in the red zone over the last two games. Mm -hmm. uh, they can't get out of their own way. Costly turnovers, deep in their own territory. We talked about Taylor Heineke. Entertaining in spurts, but you know at some point the wheels are going to fall off and the turnovers are going to come. Um, so they should have covered against Green Bay. They should have covered against the Broncos. So... It's frustrating when you when you have those tickets and they don't cash, but what tells you that anything is going to be different against a better team in the Bucks? Say you might leave Sunday saying, "Gosh, they they had their chances," but it gets to a point where you just can't trust the team, and I just don't see any sense in, in putting any sort of money on a two and six Washington team. I understand wanting to avoid the game if that's what you choose, um, just given the back to recover potential here, but if you're betting it. I don't know how you can't bet the Bucks. Right, yeah. Uh, my second game is, uh, again, another underdog, and I'm going in the AFC West. The Raiders hosting the Chiefs. I love a home dog, and the Raiders are getting three points against Kansas City. It's sort of like, I can't remember if it was Grant or Matoy who told us a, a couple of weeks ago that even though there's no reason to bet on the Chiefs, people will, will still bet mm -hmm. on the Chiefs. It's always going to be a sexy public pick because of Patrick Mahomes despite the fact that we've had basically a season's worth of games to indicate they just aren't good. Nothing comes from the flow of the offense. The turnovers have been massive. Mm -hmm. The defense can't stop anyone. You look at that last that game last week against Jordan Love, they had to hang on for dear life with a four-minute drill at the end of the fourth quarter to, to ice the game when it 
they should have been winning by multiple scores throughout. They only scored one touchdown against Green Bay that came on their first possession. If you're taking, if you think Green Bay's defense is good, you could argue that the Raiders is just as good, if not better. Yeah, I believe in Max Crosby. I believe in Yannick Ngakwe. You look at the Raiders lost by seven last week. They should have won that game. They went one of six in the red zone. They had a pick six. Uh, they missed Darren Waller. Derek Carr missed Darren Waller wide open in the end zone. They missed a chip shot field goal. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong uh, on the road on the East Coast for the Raiders. I'm not overreacting to that in a negative way. In fact, I'm still believing in the Raiders, and I have no problem taking them, especially getting three. I'll probably uh, sprinkle the money line as well. The Chiefs are 2-7 and seven against the spread this season. They're 19 turnovers at most in the NFL. Give me Las Vegas at home. I'm definitely telling here. I haven't seen anything from the Chiefs that makes me want to put my money on I, them. It's like, make them prove it to you. <laughs> yeah, no, Why I keep agree. wasting your money expecting something different to happen? Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest thing for me right now is looking at, and this is something I sort of struggle with, like when I'm handicapping the games, but also just us talking about it, is the schedule. Because um, to me, the Raiders and their stats are good, and I want to say they are a good team, which I do think they are, but they're really only impressive when, I guess you could say, came in week one against the Ravens. Right, they beat the Steelers, Dolphins, Broncos, Eagles. So, is that inflating their numbers a little bit? I don't know, but I still think it's worth noting. Right, they rank second in passing yards behind the Bucks, the team we just talked about how well they've been doing. Six in total yards a game on defense. They're giving up the fifth most rush yards, but fifth least passing, which is good, of course, with the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. Um, so again, yeah, not much more to add. I just think that the Raiders are a better team here, and I. Don't think I'm going to side with the Chiefs at any point this season. And I, I love my picks in a two-team teaser. You get about both teams up over a touchdown. Yeah. And I feel really good about that as well. Okay, tease queen. Go off. Tease queen. That's me. That's what they call me. <laughs> All right. Bills laying 12 at Jets. I'm going to do it. Even though the last time I went to go see the Jets in person, I got royally screwed from the Bengals, but I'm going to go with it, and I'm going to lay 12 with the Bills. Total set at 48. Um, last week was not pretty <laughs> no. for the Bills and Josh Allen. We talked about that in a loss to the Jags. However, I mentioned this. They led in a lot of stats in that game. Total yards, passing yards, yards per play, first downs. They just weren't able to finish drives, which, of course, is important. They allowed four sacks, 12 penalties for 118 yards, two interceptions. All things that they can change right? And they probably should against this Jets team. They still have the best scoring defense in the NFL, giving up less than 15 points a game. They still have the best defense in yards per game, in passing yards a game. And now they face a not 100% backup quarterback, Mike White, who I, I don't want to ever downplay like an injury, but I was, I was just surprised, honestly, that he came out that last game. Again, not 100%. That makes me feel pretty good. And on the other side, the Jets defense ranks dead last in yards, points per game and takeaways. So the Bills should be hungry for a win. They should easily win this game. I just think there's some recency bias and doubt, which there should be because they just lost to the Jags. But um, I'd be shocked if they don't cover here. I'm going to lay 12. What would you play it up to? You, th you say there's some recency bias in that the line's lower than you think it should be. What would you be comfortable playing it to? I, I probably wouldn't go much higher. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go crazy, but... it's. It's funny when you were talking about the Raiders and talking about their resume and who have they really beaten. It's so easy to play the game of finding ways to diminish every single team to where no one's good. Cherry pick, yeah. And you can do that with the Bills, certainly. Their really only marquee win was beating the Chiefs by 18 points, which was impressive. Mm -hmm. But 
again, we just talked about how we don't think the Chiefs are very good. Other than that, they beat up on literal bad teams. When you talk about the, the Dolphins and um, the Texans, Washington yeah. and Texans and but I mean, I, when you blow out teams forty nothing, and like these are still NFL teams, and then when you see a team like the Jags beat a good team, yes, like that makes me think, okay, if the Bills did blow out two teams forty or whatever it was to nothing, I think that speaks a little more than, you know, to the Raiders coming to close games. I, I don't know. That that's my thought process with it. But I agree, and I said that on a show I went on. Like the Bills haven't had the best of competition, but. They can't make their schedule. This I'll tell you for the sake of I'm just not going to put money on the Jets. Another funny point I, I was thinking about last Thursday when the Jets played the Colts and Mike White got hurt. Who would have thought that everyone's interest in a primetime game would hinge on Mike White being healthy? <laughs> yeah, I know. He has his one monster game. They beat the Bengals. They come out against the Colts. They're a trendy against the spread pick. Mm-hmm. Mike White gets hurt and, and Twitter collectively says, well, it was fun while it lasted and we're done. Mm-hmm. So our savior, Mike White, is back. But I'm still taking the bills. I just can't get myself to. You're right, but this is the last. You would hope that after an embarrassing, comprehensively embarrassing game against the Jags, a team who had just gotten smoked by the Geno Smith-led Seahawks, it's all yeah. baffling to me. You would hope that the Bills are ready to come out and absolutely dominate New York. Any given Sunday. Like I said, if they clean up the mistakes that they had, their defense continues to play well, they should win that and cover that easily. Let's talk college, shall we? Our last bets for this show. I'm going to go with number 23, UTSA, laying 33 against Southern Miss. UTSA who? UTSA ranked. Ranked 15 and number 16 in the AP and coaches polls. The University of Texas at San Antonio Roadrunners. Looking to remain undefeated with their 10th win. They're 8-1 against the spread. First home game in nearly a month, which is a while. The Alamo Dome, where they play, will be bumping. Because the last time they played there in October, they came out with a 45-0 win over Rice. The visitors this time, Southern Miss Golden Eagles. A different story for them. They're 1-8 this season under first-year head coach Will Hall. They have the worst offense in the nation, statistically. Least, least total yards a game. Averaging 13 points a game, have yet to score 20 points against an FBS team, yet to score 20 points. And on top of it, they're on the road. They're dealing with some injuries. I'm going to lay the points with the hot, healthy, and newly ranked home team here. That's a lot of points. College lines are nuts. College lines are so insane. They're fun, though. Minus 33. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to bail on that. Strictly because, because I thought that Cincinnati was going to steamroll Tulsa last week, and I laid a ton of points with them. And when they were up 14 nothing, I was like, we're good. Mm-hmm. We weren't good. They needed a fumble on the goal line in order to even win that game. Um, I'm going to go with another underdog, stick with my theme, take Purdue plus 20 and a half at Ohio State. I'm sure I'm on the wrong side of this because it just seems too obvious. It's just so many points for a team that hasn't been beaten by 20 this season. It's a conference opponent, and they've got signature wins. They dominated Iowa, and they're coming off an 11-point win against Michigan State, handing the Spartans their first loss of the season. Again, they haven't lost by 20 all year. Ohio State struggled to get past Nebraska a week ago. I just don't think anything they've done suggests that they should be laying this many points. I'm happy to take them with Purdue. 20 and a half is a ton in a game of this magnitude from a Purdue team that is plenty good and plenty talented, again, with a resume uh, to show for it this year. So I'm going to take the Boilermakers at plus 20 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to tell you here, 
I think that they haven't faced a, a passing game like Ohio State yet, which worries me a little bit. But they have some really legitimate players on both sides of the ball. Their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, hitting 75% of his passes over the last four games. If they can slow the game down and try to keep the ball in their hands as much as possible, I like them. Three free touchdowns, I'll tell you there. Love it. Love it, love it. Before we get to winning picks, we're going to talk another promo. Win bet 200% wager match up to 1,500 promo. New users, deposit $20 or more. Make your bet with minus 150 odds or greater. Receive double the amount of your wager as a bonus. And there's our guy Ocho showing you. If you can see this, if not, it is a picture of Ocho pointing at his phone. 200% wager match up to $1,500. <laughs> I always forget we have people listening and not just watching. So that's for you guys out there. Good stuff. Free and now money. It's time. Take it. Free money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Free money. And now it's time for winning picks. Pick a winner. Woo! Pick a winner. <laughs> I'm going with the game tonight, Ravens, Dolphins. Lamar Jackson, over 233 and a half passing yards. He's hit this in seven of eight games this year. He's averaging 276 passing per game. He ranks six in yards per pass. Dolphins are giving up the third most passing yards. They've allowed the sixth highest rate of 20-plus yard passes in the, in the NFL. The Ravens are third in explosive pass plays. Lamar has attempted the second highest percentage of deep throws in the NFL. And seven of nine quarterbacks that have faced this team have had 230-plus passing yards against them. I feel like it's too low, which seems fishy to me. And I tweeted that out, like, what am I missing here? Is it a trap? But I'm going to go with it and uh, hope for the best. <laughs> so now you've heard Brad Evans and now Claudio. If you find a Lamar Jackson over... <laughs> Hammer it. Hammer it. Because between those two, you've got basically every prop from Lamar. I like all of them. He's just, again, for me, he's my MVP of the league right now. No player does more for his team mm -hmm. than Lamar Jackson. I like it. I'm going to take a side um, for my winning pick and take the Titans minus three against the Saints. I love it. I love that it's three and not three and a half. I'm ready to buy in on the Titans. Yes, they lost to the Jets. I haven't bet on the Titans since they lost to the Jets. I'm ready to be hurt again, Tennessee. I'm ready. Here's the deal. I don't think the Saints are that good. They're good enough on defense to remain competitive, but this offense is Alvin Kamara or bust. They're too limited in the passing game. Trevor Simeon's in at quarterback, mixed in with Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill kind of randomly and whenever. I give the Saints the edge on defense, but Titans have so much more offensively with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Green and Julio Jones. And yes, they're missing Derrick Henry, but they've shown they're good enough to overcome that injury. And then defensively, don't sleep on Kevin Byer. Don't sleep on Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons, who was absolutely dominant against the Rams, and Harold Landry, who's about to get the Brinks truck thrown at him this offseason. Tennessee, over the last month, has beat the Chiefs, the Bills, the Colts, and the Rams consecutively. I'm willing to buy in, and I think they go for a fifth impressive win in a row, minus three against the Saints, and at even money on win bet at plus 100. So I'll ask you then, how many points are you willing to lay? Because I have the Saints in a teaser, but I would only take them in a teaser with nine. So how many points would you be willing to lay? I'm happy it's three and not three and a half. Yeah. The hook always scares me. Yeah. Because it, to me, these, these lines are so sharp in general mm -hmm. that any movement off of a key number feels like it completely changes the bet. Yeah. Because if it's a tie game late, you say, okay, it's a, it's a push at worst. It's three and a half. All of a sudden, you're saying, damn, a late game field goal is not going to do it for me. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't bet it above minus three. Um, and there's a reason why this line isn't juiced. So their money's coming in on the Saints. 
it's it's plus 100 where the Saints at, at plus 3 is is minus 120. So the money is coming in on New Orleans. Uh, either the Sharps or the public or both are fading the Titans. I am, I'm happy to go on the other side um, and take Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, that hook man is there to screw you. Stay away. Indeed it is. <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will see you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful weekend.